Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. And we'll take that right into training room talk. Welcome back, guys. You got a little insight into, uh, you know, some of the discussions we have prior. Um, but today we're just kind of going to roll with it. Like, um, that was actually really quick. We were just, I don't know, shooting some ideas. But anyway, I'm John, Dr. John Herding. Um, welcome, guys. I'll enter everybody else. Go ahead. Guys, how are we doing? That's Rob Rabina. And then we have Dr. Ray Carr. Hey, what's up, guys? And Dr. Nick Pergine. Hey, guys. John, people know who I am. I don't need to introduce myself. Clearly, at this point in the podcast, we're <laughs> what, about 30 episodes in. They have to know okay. who you are. Um, if you don't follow him, at RobRabina3 on Instagram. That's villain. Yes. Um, so anyway, today our topic is going to be um, the best ways to test strength. Are you strong enough? How do you know when your athletes are strong enough? How do you know when your rehab patients are strong enough to transition to the next step. Um, so Rob, since you're the, you're the strength coach in the room, what do you, what are some of your thoughts and opinions on um, how you test your athletes to see if they're strong enough? So uh, strength testing is, is awesome to do. Um, so let me just first state that, that I'm all for testing, collecting data, getting as much, as much information as possible help design the best training program for someone to improve their on-field performance um, so as far as strength tests there's a bunch of strength tests out there the standards are some sort of squat bench or deadlift one or three rep max test um, you know that's what's out there that's what's done that's the norm uh, I think you could do a strength test with any exercise though like we were talking a little bit earlier like you could do a uh, dumbbell rear foot elevated three rep max test. You could do an SSB reverse lunge three rep max test. Um, so I feel like the, the, the test itself will kind of doesn't really matter. It's just what matters is who you're training, the sport that they're playing, and is maximal strength something that you want to monitor and track. Um, so if you play a sport and you think maximal strength is something that needs to be monitored and attained, and it might be, might be good to, to measure. Um, I think also logistics, training model, setting, how long you have a person, their training experience, you know. Say you get a college kid in that has awful deadlift form. Are you gonna measure his, his three rep max deadlift? Probably not, right? So I'm always, that's one thing that I've always, but one reason why I don't do a lot of strength testing is I don't trust the person to maximally load on their first day, second day, third day, whatever it might be. I don't, I don't trust them. I don't trust their technique. I don't trust their training experience. I don't believe that they have built up the time to be able to do maximal testing. Um, so how do, you, how do you gauge that though when you feel like strength testing is necessary? Have, they've obviously shown proficiency in form so what I do instead of strength testing to see if they can do certain exercises is we'll just on their first day pretty much go through a training session. So we'll deadlift and we'll try it and I'll see how they perform the deadlift. One, again, technique before load. 
um, we'll do some sort of squatting variation, some sort of pushing, pull, lunging variations. So this gives me a gauge of like, hey, like they were struggling doing trap bar deadlift with 185. Their strength is probably really weak. They need technique work. So, uh, you know, that, that's how I kind of gauge and, and measure, I guess. It's very anecdotal and very kind of not very quantitative based, but more of observational based. Um, probably because of the setting I'm in as well, where if I was in a college setting, I know I'm going to have someone for four years and I'm with this team or this person for four years. Yeah, I'm probably going to do some strength testing after I have seen that their technique is good. Um, now we can then track their, their strength, you know. Um, and then another quick thought on strength testing is early on in their training or exercise program, we all know they're weak. We, you know, especially in the, in the lower age groups, high school, middle school, like they're weak. They don't have training experience. Why are we testing strength? You know, we know they're weak already. We can tell they don't have training experience. Um, so again, that's just more observational things that I've just, uh, I guess, accumulated over my years of training where like, I don't need to do strength training on someone, uh, max strength testing on someone that I can tell is not, doesn't have training experience and isn't strong. Um, so how we then monitor that person's strength is, hey, let's, 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 let's take a look at their training program and see how their goblet squat has improved from week one doing 35 to now they're doing an 80-pound dumbbell. Well, awesome, that person got stronger. So you know, that's kind of some ways that I'm monitoring strength without actually doing strength testing on someone that doesn't have the technique to be able to do it. Um, secondly, does their sport require maximal strength? So if their sport doesn't require maximal strength, like I mean, you could throw out a bunch of different sports, like say volleyball. Does volleyball need maximal strength? Do volleyball girls need to be able to maximally deadlift? What, is, that, is that an important quality for them? Just going through my head right now, there's not too many sports that actually require maximal strength, right? Besides the powerlifting sports. Yeah, like I mean, I agree. Like baseball, soccer, um, even look at the big four, hockey, football, baseball, like none of them maximal strength isn't necessarily um, something needed for sport, but could you argue that it may lead to better improvements and in, in, increased power, which power could be something exactly. that it translates into it's bigger, bigger base, right? Bigger exactly. bottom, bigger base of, to, bottom yeah. of the pyramid to exactly. then build your other attributes on, on top of. Exactly. And that's where, you know, you mentioned a lot. Of, there's a lot of sports out there. I'm not saying don't lift heavy and don't get strong if you right. play those sports. I'm just saying there's other qualities that are just as equally as important, if not more important, than maximal strength. Well, turning strength into power takes some movement proficiency 100%. with that, skill right? Skill transfer. So you might get better improvements in power initially with skill transfer, and then you build strength on top of that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Rob, do you ever get to a point uh, – so right right now, for example, we're in off-season for, for our baseball guys, yep. you know, a bunch of minor major league baseball guys upstairs – you ever watch a guy lifting, um, you know, through a program? Maybe, pr probably not in the beginning of the program, but do you ever have a switch where you go, you see someone lifting, and you, maybe you're looking at the past weeks of their data and their, and their performance? You go, this person's priority right now should not be getting stronger. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, I can kind of figure that out based on just like how their first month goes of training. Right. The first month of training for a lot of high school, college, minor league, professional baseball players. Is a, is a borderline like GPP training. We're just gaining a lot of qualities back. Strength, movement proficiency, tissue quality, um, 
you know, some slight power. So, and knowing the person, especially if I've trained with them before, you know, I know this person is already really strong just based off their years of training because I've seen them accumulate years of training experience with them. So training strength for that person is probably not the quality that we need to focus on. You know, we need to focus on more maybe improving joint range of motion and rotational power, whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think, you know, not everyone needs to do one, two, three, four blocks of strength training. Mm -hmm. Absolutely agree that, hey, we can start doing power training if that's a quality that they are not good at. And that's based off testing. You can test power, see if their power is adequate or not, you know, um, and, and let's, let's improve it. Yeah. Because that's what's holding them back is not their strength. Right, they can deadlift in the mid fours, right? They can squat 300 pounds, but they're slow, and they're not and they're not utilizing that strength as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, so in your experience, Rob, and I, you've worked in the private setting most of your career, but also with some, I know some of the professional baseball teams that you deal with, these players go back into like they go back first day camp, they're they're strength testing, right? Um, college, it's a huge thing. Coaches want numbers. They want to see how their play, if their players did their summer strength and conditioning program. Right. So they want to test right away when they get. So how, how do you approach that if a team wants to three rep max back squat someone the first day of spring training? How, how are you addressing that if that's a, a test that people want to do, use? So sometimes the program has to be modified to train for the test, unfortunately. Um, you know, that's just how it is, whether it's a college player, um, professional player, whatever it might be. If they're being tested in something, um, we have to prepare them for the test. Um, whether that test relates to their performance on the field or not, it's kind of my job to, pre to prepare them for that as well. So if they have a specific test in mind that, the, that they have to pass or to train that, you know, whoever's in charge thinks that this test is going to show um, improved aerobic abilities, power output, strength output, whatever the test is going to be. Uh, we have to make sure that they're trying to, or that we're adding whatever it is into their current training program to improve in that test. Um, you know, in my opinion, doing a training program to pass a test isn't, isn't what we want from a strength and conditioning side. Yeah. Uh, because again, it's all about on-field performance. So. Right. If you want to measure something, measure on-field performance, use tests to write better training programs to improve on-field performance. So I'm not bashing tests. I do a bunch of tests, but I, I don't put that on the player. That just helps me write better training programs. And in the end, a better training program is going to improve someone's on-field performance. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, and off of that, Rob, um, you know, you mentioned a better training program, and a lot of times, in my experience, I feel like that's what your one RMs, your three RMs are used for, is to it's kind of a way to objectively, you know, measure progress. Um, also, if you're someone that's getting programming or writing programming using intensities percentage, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously the one RM or three RM is is a must. Absolutely um, agree. Do you? I mean, have you ever used percentages or anything? At certain, um, I, w I would say I use more percentages from a speed training standpoint. Okay. Um, from a maximal strength training standpoint, I don't use percentages, not because they're bad or not good or not effective at improving training qualities. Um, I just don't. I just don't use them. Yeah. Um, one reason I don't use them is I feel like 
a lot of players adapt and change day to day, especially when they this time of year when their throwing is ramped up. You know, it's really cold out. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're coming in throwing for 45 minutes, and then they're going to come up and do a percentage that was that might not be feeling right. good that day because their throwing volume was higher yeah. today than maybe when they tested initially. So, again, not that it's bad, but from a performance side, I feel like it's hard to stick to a high, higher intensity, higher strength percentage-based. Whereas if you're doing power training with a percentage, 45, 55, 48% of whatever, you know, based off their three rep max, um, you know, which in their last block of training, they were doing deadlifts or squats at three reps. So I can, I know what they're, what they can do for three reps. Um, so we kind of use that as a gauge. Hey, like, okay, you were deadlifting 400. Now we're going to do 50% of that with for some power training for our speed training blocks. So I would say that's where I use a little bit more percentages. Um, you know, but if they don't play a sport, then maybe percentages might be a fantastic guide for someone who's trying to accumulate an increase in volume throughout their, their training block. So. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be sport specific, right? Right, Like the powerlifters, Olympic lifters, yeah. they're, they're largely lifting off a percentage and they have their right. periodized program right. for the year and, and based on when their competitions are to yeah. peak. And, yeah. 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 and I feel like a big question that we get all the time, or at least that I get all the time, is you know, how strong do I have to be? You know, how strong is strong enough? Um, and in the sport of baseball, you know, I definitely think you do have to be strong but I don't think it has to be the main quality that everyone should be chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, when even in baseball, some of the positions are so variable, it might be very position dependent too, and what the attributes of that position. No doubt, no yeah. doubt, absolutely. And again, like baseball is a power sport. So you do have, like we were talking about earlier, you do have to have strength, but you shouldn't always be chasing it. Um, and you have to have strength throughout different movements and different planes, single leg, you know, like your single leg strength is also important. Whether you're doing rear foot elevated, reverse lunging, just as important as squatting and deadlifting. Um, I know that might not be as highly acceptable in traditional, again, strength testing, but you know, single leg strength is, is important. Um, single leg power, frontal plane power. So I feel like, you know, I think there is a there is a cap of hey, like you're strong enough. Like we don't need to do a lot of strength training. Well, don't you think there's a point anytime you are chasing strength? Right, you don't want to let that – inherently it's going to rob you of health. It's going to rob you of variability. The more that we go down the, the, the route of performance, the more we're going to have to make sure we're not getting robbed of you know, other attributes that allow us to go in and compete and play day in and day out. So when I think of you know, how strong it's strong enough – you know, well, we want to make sure we're, we're able to progress in our performance, in our strength, you know, without it taking away from other traits and qualities that allow us to stay healthy and allow us to perform. That can look like range of motion. That can look like endurance, cardiac output, aerobic capacity, all of, the, all of those things. It would almost be strong enough to perform well. Yeah. Because, like you said, inherently you do lose um, health. Like performance does not equal health. Right. Um, just because you're starting to, to chase things and specialize in things, and yeah. I think I think that note right there is really important for our general population out there, 
right, who's training for just recreational fitness is that, like, you know, adding 20 pounds on your back squat does not mean you're a healthier person. Like, I think that's a really yep. important concept of, like, mm-hmm. chasing, you know, strength just for, you know, a recreational or, or hobby or, or lifestyle, whatever it is, is not is not necessarily, you know, a vital sign and that other things matter in your, right. you know, human makeup. Mm-hmm. And those are the dis- discussions we have in, in physical therapy All almost the daily because it. we're trying to shift. A lot of times we're dealing with active individuals who were high performers earlier in their life yeah. and now they're they're middle-aged in their th- 30s 40s 50s and they're still trying they still have that mindset and then they're so so they're still chasing numbers and we have to say well now that you're 55 like does chasing that extra 20 pounds on a back squat really like what's the risk reward there yeah like right. th- does that extra 20 pounds really get you to a place where you want to be or does it set you up for further injury um and a lot of times then they're like, oh, well, the risk there is higher. Let's find other avenues to kind of yeah. to chase. Like before we do this Russian squat program, let's make sure we just eat some vegetables and sleep eight hours a night. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so Rob, when you're talking about other ways that you can test strength, like say you wanted to um, test strength in a rear foot elevated split squat, um, are you using the N of one approach where you're just gauging based off of the, the person's first week versus their 12th week? Or are you establishing norms across populations that you train where you're like, all right, this person, if they want to be an elite baseball player, they need to have a rear foot elevated split squat that, you know, is this. Yeah, that's a great point, John. I, I, I don't have norms for that. Um, would be really cool to look at. Um, you know, but baseball is such an interesting sport where it's hard to it's hard to have normative numbers from a strength side because I have a lot of guys that throw 96, but they can't reverse lunge like 135 pounds. And I have high school kids that are doing double that, but don't throw hard. It's amazing. So like it's it's hard. I'm not I'm not saying that's the norm, but the, you know that to me like. To me, it doesn't really matter. To your point, like I don't think it matters. Like, you know, I don't think it's coming up with norms might not help someone improve on field performance because everyone's a little bit different. So I think my my answer to your question is definitely n of one, and let's look at each person individually, see what's holding them back from improving their on field performance. Whether they need, you know, if you're a high school kid, you're 150 pounds, like you you need to you need to spend some time in the gym lift heavy weights, eat a lot of food, right? And accumulate some strength. But if you're an elite player, the 1%, you've accumulated that time already. You've already done all that. Now maybe that's not, that's not what's holding you back. Maybe it's a, a more detailed baseball training throwing program that's holding you back. Maybe it's improved hip range of motion that's holding you back that might need physical therapy modalities whatever it might be that hey their front hips really just locked up and they can't they can't get through the hip when they're trying to throw baseball and that's that's it everything else is good everything every other box is checked besides that so maybe that's what's holding that person back from improving their performance so to me that's that's what it comes back to is hey what's this person need how did they test what's their weak point what are they not good at what are they good at and let's provide a training program to improve in those qualities Excellent, good stuff. So. Rob, how are uh, or what are some of the ways that you're tracking power? 
and more like speed strength. I've seen you get the gun out sometimes for like some med balls. Yeah. Stuff. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, so sometimes um, we'll do some like rotational med ball tosses for speed. Do, like the broad jumps. We'll do broad jumps, yeah, 10 yard great. sprints. Uh, sometimes we'll mix in vertical jumping. Um, we'll do 20 yard sprint, agility testing. You know, these give me gauges and numbers of you know how all their anaerobic qualities are because baseball is, requires high amounts of power to be produced. Sometimes I'll mix in, like if they, th sometimes the radar gun doesn't pick up the miles per hour if they don't throw it hard enough. Sometimes, sometimes I'll measure a distance, like how far they can throw a ball, both sides, left to right. Um, and yeah, those would be my main go-tos from a power training standpoint. Um, and I think watching the person throw and hit also gives me some information. Yeah. You know, like, can they, like when they're swinging a bat, throwing a ball, like, are they doing it with like high intent? Does it look fast and explosive? And if it doesn't, then like, there needs to be some adjustment there. Um, so that's where getting feedback from the skill coaches is really important. Where hey, this guy just like can't ramp it up. Like he doesn't know how to produce power. Everything he does is like slow motion, very slow twitch. You get that a lot from from coaches that are recruiting players. They like that like, boom, like that fast twitch nature of a player to be able to produce high amounts of power very, very quickly. So a lot of coaches like that because that shows that they have that 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 skill set already and they just need to pop. Right. They need yep. to just improve and a small tweak here and there and bang, it's there. So So real quick before we end guys, one last question is where does grip strength fit into this for, for you guys? Um, because obviously it's pretty well known in the physical therapy world, grip strength is can be attributed to mortality. Um, and I know like when I shake someone's hand and they have a good, strong grip, I know there's some strength behind that. They're alive. Yeah. Um, correlations between total body strength and grip strength. You might be, Rob, you might be familiar with studies or Ray that yeah. are, that delve into that. I've definitely or, come across, uh, not anything recent, um, but definitely in the past I've come across, uh, articles and stuff that are showing a pretty strong correlation between obviously the stronger, the grip strength stronger absolute strength um which makes sense um but i don't know does grip strength do you factor that into your programming much at all? i mean I, I don't think grip strength is a bad thing to do i, I kind of like it from a couple different reasons one 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 reason i like it is it's like you don't have to be there's no like technical proficiency that's required to do it so if there are some good studies that show correlations between grip strength and maximal like actual testing awesome let's a win-win let's yeah. do that all the time um well and i wonder if it's just because grip isn't the limiting factor for those people yeah. right like yeah. in deadlifts grip uh, yeah. could be the limiting absolutely limiting absolutely. factor um reasons i might not like it is you know it might be tough to create tension and stability and like crush the handle um you know but yeah, obviously it's not specific to any task at all Besides just holding something and heavy. The reason I go there is hard. because could it be something that you include include on an eval to just say, all right, this person, they're a baseball player. They have 50 pounds of grip strength. Um, there's there's probably some overall strength lacking. Is it just a piece of the puzzle or does it not really matter? I wonder if it speaks to just like – so I think if you take someone who benches 400 pounds and someone who benches 250 – Feel like if you test them on a grip dynamometer, they're gonna the guy who benches 400 is gonna be you know have a stronger grip. So I don't know. I mean I don't know if it's I think like you were saying I think whether it's the limiting factor or not 
would be something huge to like in terms of if you were gonna try to track it or something like that um you'd also have to make sure that was cleaned up but any grad students out there well, put yeah, that, and if anybody out, out there has any thoughts, um, leave co- leave some comments and let's keep this discussion going. Um, because it's just uh, just a thought that maybe without maybe first day, are there norms out there that you say, all right, this person is probably pretty strong based on this grip, and I don't need to worry about rep max testing. I don't know, something easy, safe, but. Anyway, guys, that about wraps it up for today. If you have anything to add to the discussion, again, please um, just leave some comments. Um, Please also um, leave some reviews so we continue to help spread the word and share with your friends and family. Um, Thanks again for listening to Training Room Talk, guys. Until next time, talk to you soon.